Paris and Susie with me is my wonderful esteemed colleague John. Hi John, how are you? A fantastic, fantastic fact. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, well, getting some more and more uh, good, well, uh, the gaming news is so-so, but there is one very exciting uh, bit of news we're going to be talking about this week. Um, and also, uh, this is the exciting, I, you've probably already kept up with it, but well, Faris, uh, dear listener, was recently away uh, in, uh, well, I won't say where, that's what you used to say, but it was on a little holiday. Uh, but we're based in, as I'm sure if you're a long-term listener, you know, we're based in Germany. That's where uh, the podcast is from. That's our, our home base. And on Friday, they uh, legalized weed. It's going to be legal from April 1st. <laughs> so I thought, what you know, what great news to start the spring. Um, so there you go. I'm sure, I'm sure you've kept up with the news, uh, oh, yeah. even while abroad. But um, yes, it's finally happened. So exciting times at the HQ. <laughs> if uh, you perceive a change in, in writing style on Elegant.com, you won't know why. <laughs> um, it's actually... It's been really interesting actually keeping up with this because in case people don't know the the new or well, like the current government in Germany when when they were elected um legalizing weed was like one of their big like flagpole policies um that got them elected uh when was this three years ago four years ago uh, it feels yeah it, yeah it was that long ago now I think three yeah. years and it has taken that long to, to get this through. And I think it's still like not technically through, but it's getting there. Um, and just this like back and forth of like how they're going to do it, who's saying no, who's like pulling out. And yeah. Germany, Germany is very conservative. So it's, uh, it, for the mo- I mean, it's getting more conservative. Even. Uh, so that was, a, that was a big trouble. And still, like, I, I read the first like kind of. Um, date of availability for this legal German weed will be like October and you will need to be like uh part of a for ca- uh, like a cannabis club like yeah it's it, it, it's it's, it's going to so be really difficult <laughs> yeah it's kind of more like decriminalized at first so you won't yeah. get in trouble for having it but you won't be able to get it easily for at least a year or two yeah. but it's uh one thing I did find funny that I found really German was uh it's being they're they're controlling when you can smoke. You can you can only smoke from eight p.m. in the evening till seven a.m. in the morning. Really? Um, that's like a specific. Thing. I think that might only apply to public spaces. I'm sure it does. But it's quite uh, that's quite amusing to me that there's kind of a curfew on it. So up, up a police and seizure at like seven forty-five. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, yeah strictly an evening thing apparently. So. You know, so so. I guess it's just so that kids aren't out in public around it. It makes sense, but it's just yeah. struck me as a bit of a strange, um, yeah, just strangely precise timings there. Um, but yeah, I I, li- like, I lived in the Netherlands for a year, where obviously this is also. I mean, I don't know what the correct term would be. I guess legalized is technically not it, but you know what I mean. And just like the laissez-faire casualness of it, there is like still so striking when you have been anywhere else in europe um uh, i remember my go-to um um what do they call coffee shop was right next to like some random taco chain Uh they they looked exactly the same like decor wise it was basically the same shop and it's just like a normal uh shop you go to there were like calendars to hang out uh, and people just like hanging out talking chilling and you know, yeah, it's bizarre to get used to. Yeah, uh, for yeah. sure. Like even even when it's fully legal, it won't feel. I won't. I won't ever feel comfortable. Like, like if I don't know. Like if there's a policeman around or in public, I think I'll always lifelong live with that kind of oh shit. Like you know, be careful <laughs> kind of thing, even if it's fully legal. But yeah, I thought that was quite a light-hearted. Uh, you know, because we're we're there's not obviously there's so much uh, negative political news, and especially recently there's been some uh, worrying stuff coming out of Germany specifically. Oh god, that, uh, we won't go into here because we want to keep it light. But you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah. So it was just uh, nice for a slight bit of light-hearted political news for once. It's great. We should. Um, that's going to be my recommendation for this week. Just smoke more weed. Honestly. It's a great recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> One time we'll do an episode where we've smoked no, beforehand no, and we won't say no, on the pod. No. Uh, I, I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. I, I, I listen to these episodes like three times, which is already 
painful enough to listen to myself and having to do it while I dribble over myself, basically. I, yeah, I'm, I'm slurring our words. What uh, what yeah, game man, did we Mario, say? Yeah. Mario's like, Jesus, man. <laughs> like, Mario Wonder would certainly be a game to play while hard. Oh, but that's, I, I'm getting ahead of myself with various features there. How have you been? How have you been? Good. I have Good. very much enjoyed my break. I've played a ton of video games on my Steam Deck, which has come in so clutch. Um, um, you know, when you're on the go, obviously I have a laptop and I've played a little bit on my laptop, but just so much nicer on the Steam Deck, um, on the go, and also why you're not at home. Like, yeah, my laptop is technically mobile, but uh, <laughs> gaming on it while uh, while you're while at airport go, and not... stuff. I know you're quite a traveler, yeah. trains, planes, everything in between. I forgot what the three-line thing is. Uh, but yeah, it's... Bus. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, but a Steam a Steam Deck's yeah. going to be a lot more manageable, isn't it? Yeah, so most of the... I, I, have, I brought a bunch of games to the table. Um, there is a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to keep it short. And most of these I played on the Steam Deck. Um, if, if I'm going to start... If you have nothing else to say with, with what I've been playing. No, please. I'm quite intrigued. Uh, oh, I'll let you introduce it. But I know there's one that we actually talked about before release yeah. that uh, you've now got full access to. Yeah. Um, so the first two I want to talk about, I mentioned a few weeks ago uh, during Steam Nexus because I played the demos and loved them. And now I have got the full versions. Uh, the first one I want to mention is Pacific Drive. And I really just want to mention it because I haven't gotten too deep into it because it does not run very well on Steam Deck. Um, but I played it a little bit. It's it's the game where you explore a supernatural zone in the Pacific North- Northwest in a station wagon. It's a it's a, it's a a survival game. You may maybe have seen trailers for it and, and images for it. Um, and it's really unique. It's really cool. It's the kind of game that, like, is has, like, this just amazingly gripping atmosphere like it's it's the kind of game you really sink into and I, I could see myself once I'm back home playing it just for like hours on end um mostly because of the atmosphere because of the deep mechanics like this uh, station wagon you have has like um a lot of a lot of parts and you can upgrade these parts you have to take care of them you have to repair them when you when you when you get into trouble the 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 zone is full of like it, it, it does this cool thing. It's uh, the game is very inspired by sub, something like Subnautica, where you have a survival game, but it's not. You don't have really combat. You don't have any weapons. You you really only have tools. Like you can walk around and scavenge, uh, scrape old cars, look for look for resources and stuff. But doing that, you don't have any combat, and you don't have combat with the car either. You're really just driving around, and you use other tools to to traverse, to um, um, uh, unlock stuff, um, things like that. And it's, it's, it's really cool to have these games that, that, that don't have any combat. And they, they obviously, because they have this quote-unquote limitation, they have to find creative ways to, to get you to do shit. And this is the most creative I've ever seen, where you really are like mostly driving around. And um, this space that they've created is so cool. It has a very good story, actually, the game as well. It's it's, it's surprisingly story-focused. Actually, has a really cool rhythm of, like, you have these, like, open spaces that that, that I think are partially uh, randomly generated, and you uh, they're pretty open. You can explore certain spaces, gather resources and so on, find um, lore items and, and, and so on. But... You are also following a story while doing that, and it's like this really good mixture of like open gameplay and and scripted sequences and really good voice acting. Um, it all How is really the driving? It's really fun because if that's what you're spending a lot of time doing, it, it really does feel like this shitty old station wagon, which you gets better and better the more you upgrade it, and it's like really heavy, but it's not. Uh, it feels it feels good to control. You have like they found a really nice. Um, middle between having movability but also not being too like you are driving on this big fairly slow car in like mount uh, hilly regions so there is a lot of friction there but like just the right amount where it doesn't become annoying it becomes like it's, it's, it, it kind of reminds me sometimes of like death stranding where like overcoming uh, your limitations and also the friction of the world is like part of the gameplay that's what they designed the game to be and, and they make it really fun 
what's really cool is because obviously this is like a supernatural place there are a lot of like anomalies they're called which are like just like this weird supernatural element something that you see in the trailer for example is that suddenly uh these mannequins these like uh, crash test dummies can appear like in the middle of the street or like while you're exploring a space or something and they can even interact with you they can steal your shit and and or like just in front of your car while you're driving at night there's that there's, there's one anomaly which i really love called uh bollard you know like the things that yeah yeah that but, stop cars yeah but it's just like a giant stone one that looks like an alien object that just comes out of the ground in the middle of the nowhere so are these like the enemies is there like an enemy or like a pursuing force or uh, they're not like aggressive they're just like part of the world and they okay. just appear and you have to like navigate your way around them you can't combat them and and that is really exciting and really fun and there's there's also stuff like uh, <laughs> there's one called pothole but it's just like a bunch of stones floating in there and if you hit it uh your your screen gets uh scratched and you need to craft a certain item to fix it it's that type of stuff okay okay and, and there's really like a really cool. uh, like a separate motivation that pushes you on it's not that you're being chased so much but that you need to get to to point uh, B, wherever that is. So you 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 get transported into this zone, uh, which you don't mean to be, and you're trapped there, and you 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 get contacted by scientists and stuff that have been in the zone for decades, and they think your car is a supernatural object, and they want to like meet you to, okay. to, to take a look at the car and and hope that it can get you all out of the zone. Um. Which is a really cool story device, and, and there's even stuff they say stuff like, "Oh, these types of objects are called remnants. They uh, force their they they bind themselves to a certain person, and then the person slowly develops a fixation with these objects. So, like, obviously, that's what happens with you as the player with this car, because the car is your baby, and the car is everything in this game. Like, it's the most important ah. thing. So, so you take great care of it, you do everything a lot of it. And they have like this fun lore explanation for that as well. Where, like you become progressively more obsessed with your car. Um, that is cool. So yeah. they're talking to you on radio or something. They're yeah, kind exactly. of with you is on the journey. Okay, yeah, I'm glad that, that kind of would keep me because I, I was a bit like, uh, yeah, worried. Um, that's something is about said about Enshrouded that it could be a bit lonely as survival yeah. games often can be. But having that kind of uh, yeah, people there to communicate with and push the story along sounds yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I really like the tone that they strike because you obviously have, like, you're driving through woods at night and it's, like, not necessarily scary. I, don't, I wouldn't call this a horror game, but it is gripping. Um, but it's not lonely at all. You you have these people talking to you. You have, like, uh, they record, like, conversations that you can then listen to whenever you want, plus scripted sequences. And you have a radio with, like, a lot of really good music, which... Is either that's or, cool. You need that for yeah. a game like this, I think. Well, that's a really cool addition. Um, it's either original songs or just like happen to uh, I happen to not know any of the bands, and also I think the game is set in the seventies or eighties, so like the music isn't that styling, and it's just really fun. Uh, Perfect for an illustration market stuff. Yeah, like obviously a lot of like really clever design went into this. A lot of love. It's it's super cool, and I can't wait to dive deeper. The That's radio is going to be really crackly, isn't it? It's going to be... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, okay, awesome. Um, another game that I've played the demo of and that I have now sunk in deeply into is Balatro, which is a poker-based roguelike game. It's a deck builder card game thing. Um, and I cannot stop playing this game. I think it's absolutely tremendous. Um... I think I've played already around like 20 hours in uh, five days or so. Um, it, this is the low-key addictive one then, huh? Pacific yeah. Drive is all well and good, but Balatro has got you kind of got its claws in you. Balatro has its claws in me. It's a devious game. It's the, This game is so fun. Uh, so um, how it works is that you have um, runs like in a roguelike and one run... Uh, has eight stages and each stage has three uh rounds basically and each round asks you to um gain a certain amount of points and points you get by playing poker cards so you have uh decks normal decks of cards and then you play poker hands like pair full house uh straight flush all of that stuff 
and each of them have a certain amount of points that they, that you get from them. And then after each round, you you um, you get some money and you get a shop where you can buy new cards and stuff that makes this game go completely cuckoo. Uh, for example, jokers are a big thing. They are like modifiers. They are sort of like your special abilities in other roguelikes like Hades or or Binding of Isaac. Uh, there's like a ton of them. They all have like really weird, interesting um, um, abilities. Like every round number will get you thirty points more and and uh, um, plus two multiplier or uh, you can do straights uh, even if you miss a card uh, a card in the middle or uh, stuff like that um, plus a ton of other systems that modify your deck modify your run which is super motivating because it, it really it, it's a roguelike thing of like everyone is different and also you can't so easily break the game. Like if you have a crazy combination, you can also do stuff where you upgrade your hands. So you can say, oh, I want to upgrade my two pairs. So now it gets me more points. And with all of that combined, plus you have like stuff like tarot cards, which will make it so you can you can duplicate certain cards or you can change the, the clubs, uh, the, the suits of cards and stuff like that. Where it can lead to situations where I have like 10 aces in my deck and <laughs> if I play like four kind, I make like a million points. Um, and the game really encourages that type of stuff and makes it so easy to, to break it. Like not super easy, but it gives you so many tools uh, to break it in a way that is just so fun. Uh, the presentation is like perfect. Uh, the, the way the game looks is super fun and it, it's so well designed in, in all the little uh, sound effects and visual effects when like cars are popping off um i can imagine now they've, le they've learned from um uh, yeah and uh <laughs> well i was gonna say also casinos and kind of yeah. all those lit up uh yeah yeah exactly the casino machines your winner fireworks and loads of gold yeah, yeah I can exactly and um, thankfully it's only it costs like 15 bucks and there are no microtransactions so it's it's uh that would be really dangerous if, it if, would wouldn't it yeah uh, we've, we've got poker we've made it somehow worse for yeah. more addictive yeah and yeah it's like super fast paced um the the roguelike progression works i would say maybe better than any roguelike i've ever seen like it's 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 amazing how many options you have to completely break this game uh, to a degree that even the creator it's, it's also developed by only one guy and he said like oh yeah i'm not even really that good and like i've seen people do like a billion chips with one hand i have no idea how like <laughs> it's and all of that stuff works so well together in a way that like yeah i can't stop playing it's like this one more run type of thing yeah and perfect on the steam deck obviously as well uh, so yeah of course. amazing amazing game like the I, days of solitaire from so long ago yeah, yeah yeah it's like cool solitaire yeah uh it, it does have that vibe but it's obviously there's a lot more going on uh to engage the gamer brain because i i always thought something like solitaire my job is something so boring but this has so many more numbers this has so many more systems yeah my my rotten gamer brain is is lighting up playing balago <laughs> yeah so, that's cool strong, strong recommendation this game is really like take a look at it it might look it, it, there's way more going on than it might look like in at, at first glance. Like I can promise you that it's wow, hell of a thing. This this could end up being like one of my favorite games of the year. I'm over the moon about the last. So of the three, well, I won't see you talking about the last, but this is the the highlight. If you had to like, if you had to say best, is not the right word here. But this one's been most memorable for you. So far, yes. Uh, the, the, the third game I have uh, brought here is Helldivers 2, which I finally played, but I don't want to talk too much about it yet. I would like to really um, uh, um, dive deeper into it uh, at some point. Uh, in Maybe we get Lucas uh, Ballard on for another special yeah. guest appearance. I know or, he's been playing it a lot since launch. Uh, our colleague Robert uh, as well, some other colleagues as well. Like We should ask around and get some people on and, and talk about it more. Because so far, I've only played Helldivers 2, which... If you don't know, it's like one of the biggest surprise hits of 2024. It's like this always online, live service, PvE shooter, um, horde, horde shooter, basically. I've only played it on Steam Deck alone, which is really the worst way to play this game. But I still had a ton of fun. It's like just really great third-person action game, really, at its core. 
Um, but obviously, uh, the best part of this game is like the 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 multiplayer action, the variability of it. Like it's because there's like a live world, right? And kind of the whole player base are working yeah. on. Uh, I don't want to say colonizing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but it sort of is like colonizing the outer space, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's Starship Troopers, like one to one. So you are um, fighting bugs. Uh, what are they called officially? Terminates and automatons, robots. It, they, it's like a it's called a galactic war. So you have like this. Um, you you select missions by going on this like map of star systems, and each system has a certain amount of planets. And each system planet has like a progression of like, oh, it's uh, liberated by this and that percent. And if you if you if you complete the mission successfully, you get like 0.001% liberation or whatever against the boxer robots. Uh, and this is tracked life of all of the people playing this game in the world. And it's been a ton of people like uh, this this completely exploded this game and completely um, became so much bigger than anyone expected. Um, and yeah, this progression is cool. You I, I do still participate in it. It doesn't unfortunately unfortunately it does not have a offline mode, which I would really enjoy. Just like because the third person action is like so good. I I really enjoy just like running around um, doing these missions on my own even. I instantly felt that I was. You want to be something. forced into that co-op uh, environment? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, then you're letting someone down. If you're putting your headphones in and just chilling, you don't want to be like two other people. Like, come on, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you want to, yeah, just chill. Yeah, exactly. And you can play these missions solo, but it makes it harder. And also, you're just missing out on stuff. And and some of like the missions are like forty minutes long. Like, <laughs> and oh, they have like a forty minute timer. And I have played with randos a, a few rounds. And the game, thankfully, has a pretty good ping system, very similar to Apex's uh, ping system. So you, 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 you can do quite well even with randoms, even if you don't have voice chat, which I don't think you have on Steam Deck. Um, but I would like to just like walk around and do my own stuff without having to... Uh, there was one amazing situation where I did a super long mission on my own. And I had five minutes left on the timer. And for some reason, I'm not quite sure why this can just happen. Like some people joined my game and um, I was basically done with the mission. But I think because they joined, uh, the game became harder. Obviously, if you have more people, I think it scales. So I ended up dying. Uh, one of the randoms ended up dying. The, at the end of each mission, you have to wait for an extraction ship and then board the ship. And the ship was there, and the third guy just did not go on the ship for some reason. He like kept fighting the bugs. And then he died too, so the mission failed. Which probably wouldn't have if those fuckers didn't join my session. But so it was sorry. like it was really funny. Like um the game is, is is hilarious and I get I immediately get why it's so successful. Like everything about it that I have seen so far is just like tremendously well made. Um uh, but yeah, I'm super excited to dive deeper into it and play it with with my colleagues on my up, uh, where it runs a lot better. It's okay on Steam Deck, but as soon as you get like more people in, like I was in one session with like four people, uh, like me and three others, and they were very advanced and they had like these crazy abilities where they could like, they had like drones shooting lasers and they had like this huge um, fire bombing um, calls that they could make and everything around you was just exploding and effects everywhere and the Steam Deck was like crying for help. It, it like dropped to like 15 FPS or something. Whereas if you just like walk around in the desert and there's only like a few enemies and you're on your own, it's like 30, 40 FPS solid, no problem. But as soon as like people start going crazy, it, it does drop unfortunately. So I'm excited and it looks really good the game. So I'm excited to, to play it on, on my actual PC when I'm back home. And then yeah, I would love to talk about it more in detail in, in a future episode. Yeah, for sure. We can get some uh, get some get some people on from the office potentially have been playing it. That'd be quite cool. Yeah, it does look cool. I'm I'm happy for the success of this game. It kind of 
I don't want to say it came out of nowhere. It wasn't like that. Um, but I definitely didn't think it would be as well received as it has been. And it looks like they've really struck a chord with this kind of communal, yeah, working together on some greater goal with the whole of the game's population, which is cool. Um, I always like when you see those things. I think it's, it creates such an organic community. I'm not plugged into that space at all, but I imagine the you know various online spaces for it uh, kind of reflect that. And I imagine they are pretty cool. I think... I think maybe Lucas Beal, Rob was telling me that the Reddit's the the Reddit's it's particularly Reddit good. is amazing. The, yeah, the that's, Reddit that's what I like. It's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, I just think they've really, um, yeah, they just hit the nail on the head with this kind of, uh, yeah, what am I trying yeah. to say? Kind of camaraderie. Uh, but it's cool to see you're enjoying it. You should definitely, um, yeah, let's say hook up and at least if you play with some people at work, it won't be like random people that won't board the ship. It'll be people that are <laughs> yeah. helping you out. Or if they don't, I can scream at them. So, yes, exactly. Which also helps. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah, like I said, I played a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't. There's a bunch of stuff I, I won't even talk about. So I, I spent a lot of time playing uh, nice. games during my uh, week off, and I enjoyed it massively. Three fantastic games. John, what have you been playing? Oh, it's awesome. I need a. Uh, I might take a day off just for games soon. Just been continuing the various uh, ranked grinds. It's been uh, getting the, the more and more uh, bigger and bigger dopamine hit, hits, but more and more toxic. Keeping up uh, Warzone, I'm, I'm near my peak. Uh, the uh, the three multiplayer is going well, and I've recently started multiplayer. Uh, sorry, Apex. Um, I said multiplayer twice. But the I did meet the most toxic person I've ever met in COD in uh, a recent NWT ranked game. Which is saying something, because I've been on those games for 20 years and people are awful on them and always have been. I know it's always a thing of like, this community's worse than that one. But I was with uh, a guy the other day who was uh, like right from the first second we started. No one else was mic'd. It was like late in the evening and I couldn't be bothered to turn my mic on to talk to this guy. And he was just coming out with just foul stuff. I don't need to repeat it. It's, ev- it's everything you can imagine but then uh, used in awfully creative ways. And it's just constant. It was a barrage of just abuse. But I, obviously I've experienced that before on a con. What set him apart and what I thought was really, uh, I don't know what's the right word, troubling, interesting, curious, was that we were winning. We were winning by like a decent amount the whole game. We were ahead by like a good 50 points and then closed out like 100, point, 100 points in the half point ahead of the other team, which is like really comfortable, like really safe, a safe win. Um, but right until like the final, literally the final five or three seconds, it was just a barrage of abuse. I mean, I don't even want to say maybe it worked. I think they just muted him or something. Um, but yeah, so that was ugh, unpleasant, but fine. I'm happy for a dub and I'll move on. And then, yeah, getting back into Apex, which is, it's really good. They recently made a lot of changes that are kind of, you know when when any game, a live service game, is uh, six, seven, or I don't know, maybe it's only five, but when it's deep into its life cycle and they start needing to just make changes for the sake of making changes, just to make you feel like there's something different and it's worth jumping back on. So they kind of uh, reworked loads of stuff recently and changed a lot of systems and it did make me curious enough to get back on. I'm really enjoying it, but I, I don't know if any of it was... I don't know if any of it was worth it. Um, I saw that year nine of Rainbow Six Siege, they recently had a similar kind of announcement where they're going to rework and change a lot of different systems in the game. But again, it kind of just feels like, yeah, I suppose they just need novelty to get people back in. But, you know, still great games and I'm enjoying them. Um, and Apex is, yeah, it's good. It's in a, it's in a good place. Um, so, yeah, just... just, just playing Apex, basically, and those other games. Um, yeah, tis the season. I saw you popping on um, Steam. Is this the first time playing Apex on PC for you? Because you played on PlayStation yes. before, right? Yeah, I played on PlayStation before. Indeed, it's now it's after the Baldur's Gate, uh, the RPG, and then all the PC strategy games I was playing. It's kind of back to shooters, but now from PC. I needed to change your mic. My setting is still. I need to find a way. Basically, I've got a widescreen that I use for work, but I was I've been using that as Apex because I haven't found a good way to change it yet. But it means I'm playing on twenty one nine. So I need to oh, actually wow. physically like turn my head and look like uh, to see if there are like uh, enemies either side or something. It's obviously not uh, optimal or a good way to do it. But the only I haven't found a good way to fix it. And when I tried to put it back to normal, it stretched the characters really wide, like those really sweaty CS:GO players who play on terrible resolution and really stretched, so that the targets appear slightly wider and are maybe it's just placebo, but they're slightly easier to hit or whatever. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm still sort of tuning in exactly what settings I want for PC, 
but it is a joy, with the exception of cheaters, which you just don't have to deal with on console, especially if you turn crossplay off. With the exception of cheaters, who you do run into fairly commonly on the, on Apex and uh, COD, it's just a better experience. It's just, yeah, hands down. Um, you know, the PS5 has 120 FPS now, but to get that, the resolution really suffers, whereas because obviously PCs now, modern ones, have access to either NVIDIA's or AMD's kind of AI upscaling technology, which you've been uh, such a fan of, and I know you've mentioned in the pod, yeah. it, it, it really is that good. It's so just, great. It's so great. You can just keep it, it's just turning it on and off, almost one for one. It's like, okay, just have an extra third or something or half of your frame rate improved, and you the game continues to look beautiful. So it's been, it's just been a real, really nice just to finally play on PC. That stuff is like, and, and it's still like in its infancy in a way, you know, like this is pretty new technology, at least in its like commercial availability. And it keeps improving and like DLSS, I think 3.5 is the latest. Um, whichever version they had in Alan Wake 2 was like mind boggling because you do, uh, you do see a reduction in image quality when you use it um, but it's getting smoother and smoother and with Alamic 2 for example you really don't see that big a difference and it's it, it, like it looks it's the best looking game in terms of how DLSS works there uh, that I've seen and obviously on the um, I used it a lot on the Steam Deck for like a Dragon into the Wealth which I was able to play in full like um get the steam dex resolution which is 1200 by 800 uh, 1200 by 800 in 40 fps like looking amazing being being fluid and um, thanks to uh, fsr which is amd's uh, version and yeah um super excited where that keeps going and, and yeah PC in general sure. it's like a super super exciting platform in, at the moment yeah it's so like um and I've become a snob, like when you get a new TV or something, it's hard to go back then. I, I've now <laughs> yeah. played long enough on high enough frame rates. My PlayStation, my beloved PlayStation, that was fine for so long. I do I do feel a bit more like, oh, it doesn't feel as smooth. It's not as nice. Um, and I know that's just, you know, it's just when you get used to the next best thing, isn't it? Unfortunately. So I've ruined the old uh, tech for myself now. Um, so, yeah. But, hey. You get used to nice. everything. Uh, yeah, you get used to everything. Yeah, nice. But um, yeah, that, that's it. Nothing, uh, nothing too new or exciting. Well, you know what is new, and I was very excited for John, and we shall transition to the news with this wonderful link. Uh, the Switch Two. Let's talk about the Switch Two. Let's talk about the Switch Two. Yeah, that we've had uh, so many rumors on for so long. I still remember my favorite was that there was the kind of closed door uh, meeting at the uh, Gamescom. A Gamescom in 2023 or 2022. Maybe it was as long as 2022. I can't remember, but the idea that they had certain journalists like, come here, and there was like a closed room meeting with Eurogamer and a couple of others who got to yeah. see a, a, a version of it. And then there was all this, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. Uh, that was quite exciting. And then I was hearing more and more that it would be this year that it'd be coming out. But maybe you've got an, you've heard an update on that, my friend. Yes, I am here to spoil everyone's fun. Because... Yeah, uh, the Switch 2 news economy is so funny because Nintendo has said jack shit. They have said nothing about this console at all, except that it will use the same online network as the Switch. Or like, not even that, they said they're, they're going to continue using that moving forward. Uh, so everything was like through inside the reports and stuff. And, and uh, what we have heard so far, very credibly reported, is that the Switch 2 was supposed to launch around... September 2024, um, late this year at some point, probably September. This has changed now. Uh, apparently, the Switch 2 has been internally delayed to March 2025, or even later than that. Um, this came out through a series of reports, um, including by uh, VGC, Vigam Chronicles, and uh, the latest one by a Japanese outlet Nikkei. Uh, which is a very um, um, like um, respectable esteemed outlet and yeah this is what they've heard that the uh, switch has been pushed back into into next year uh, like I said probably March but they're keeping um, 
the, the opportunity open to maybe push it back even further. And why that is, according to the Japanese report from Nikkei, it's because Nintendo wants to make sure of two things. Uh, one, that they have enough stock when the console actually launches, that there won't be any uh, shortages, that there won't be that everyone who wants to get a Switch 2 will get a Switch 2, that there won't be like a reselling market and stuff like that, like we saw with the uh, catastrophic PS5 situation during COVID, and which has gotten, like the economy has gotten a lot better in that sense, but there's obviously, the there's such a high demand on, on this console that they really need to produce so, so much of it. So it makes sense that they want to make sure that they are really ready for that. Um, and apparently they're also waiting a little bit to bolster the software lineup for launch so that they want to make sure that they have a good enough launch lineup what that will be is not sure there are many rumors nothing like too concrete uh, people expect like a, a version of mario Kart 8 or even a brand new mario Kart plus a new 3d mario otherwise we're not quite sure what, what this lineup will be but yeah um it's it's been delayed out of twenty twenty four. What what do you think of this, John? This is pretty. This is in a way not great news for this year in gaming. This was like supposed to be the big thing to happen this year, and now it won't anymore. Yeah, it was going to be. I mean, without this, and with I think the near enough confirmed news now that GTA <laughs> is also not coming out this year. It's going to be next oh, year. They already said twenty twenty five for that. They've already said okay. They've said yeah. So it's confirmed not for this year. It definitely, uh, I already knew coming out of last year and how much uh, hype there was about the actual games, the actual titles releasing, that this would be a more mellow year, but that it would be hardware in the sake of uh, Nintendo, um, in terms of the Switch 2, that would kind of, yeah, bolster the year and give us a bit of excitement towards the end and maybe something to really look forward to at all the shows that take place over the summer. Uh, now, obviously, that's not the case, so we're looking at a quieter year, but... I mean, I still think. I, I mean, I still think the the switch is. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a relatively short delay in terms of a whole console, right? And I still feel like they're going to be they're going to be introducing it at a time when a lot of people are now ready for like the new thing. Um, obviously, I don't know. Maybe it'll be more difficult than when the switch came about because we've seen the emergence of we talking about earlier the Steam Deck. We've seen the emergence of these. Uh, what do you call them? Like handheld PCs. I still yeah. don't know exactly what we're calling these. Is that it? Handheld PCs. Yeah. Yeah, like because we've seen the emergence of that market, and some of them are becoming really competitive in price. Um, again, something we've spoken about before, but I think the Steam Deck's like most economic model is certainly beneath five hundred dollars, certainly less than half a grand. I think if you want really want the cheapest Steam Deck available, it's like three hundred bucks or something. I mean, that's awesome, right? That's yeah, that's a Switch or less. Um, so I think that's. I mean, it's not like it's going to hurt them. It's still Nintendo. They're the absolute kings of this space, and I've got no doubt the Switch Two will be incredibly um, successful. But I do think that's a slightly different environment from the one that uh, the Switch One was brought into the world with. So maybe that. I mean, not that. Yeah, it's excessive to say it will hurt their sales, but there might be slightly less hype, especially if it's, especially if it just feels like. Um, this is just a buffed up switch, you know, like this is like an OLED 2.0 or something. I'm sure it won't be. And there'll be uh, some brand new some uh, extra gimmick. cool features. And <laughs> that's why I'm worried. Then. Will it be a gimmick? Is this like the Wii U was to the Wii where the Wii was a brand new form factor and it introduced something that was, yeah, felt like a paradigm shift in how you would experience Nintendo. Or is this the second generation, slightly less hyped, clearly better all round, but kind of just beefed up internals? With, as you say, because it is Nintendo, is there going to be some gimmick that's attached to make this feel a bit new in other ways as well? I don't know. Um, but the, the the moving of the date doesn't alarm me too much. It just makes me slightly uh, less excited for the summer shows and the yeah. news we'll get this year. Maybe there'll be uh, a hit we haven't seen yet, though, right? Like, you know, we've seen how well Helldivers 2 did. Maybe Power there'll World. be a nice RPG like, uh, yeah, and Power World. Maybe there'll be a kind of, there's a Baldur's Gate still to come in this year. Um, maybe that Ubisoft Star Wars Outlaws game is going to be absolutely nuts and Dragon's it's like Dogma, the maybe? best Star Wars yeah Dragon's Dogma I think will be very good I feel like Dragon's Dogma <sighs> yeah I'll have to see it to believe it I, I'm not, I, I have every faith Dragon's Dogma will be a very well made uh, enjoyable game 
but I'm not sure whether it's... I haven't seen anything yet that's kind of like, wow, that's really different, or that's that's really exciting. It's, it's I've just missing, seen like, oh, cool, yeah. It's missing like a bare sex type of headline like Baldur's Gate had. Yeah. You could tell like that was the moment when the momentum started for the game. Uh, and it just rode the wave brilliantly uh, until launch and, and until today, really. And Dragon's Dogma 2 had a lot of great previews, a lot of cool stuff, but there wasn't like the, oh my god, what the fuck is this thing type of type of headline yet. No, for sure. I mean, we're, we're getting close, right? We're less than a month. It's March 22. We're like yeah. three weeks out, and, I, and I'm not seeing enough hype about this yet. You know, maybe there's... Um... Maybe I'm just not in those spaces, but I feel like, yeah, it needs uh, some more on it. But that's not so much where I'm looking to, Dragon's Dogma 2, for the massive hit of the year. But but yeah, possibly, I, I think it'll be good. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting too delayed. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah, with Nintendo, as I said, I'm, I'm, that's my one thing. Maybe is this going to be like the Wii U was to the Wii, um, slightly less exciting from that sense, but I don't think the slight delay here hurts them too much. No, I agree. I think, I mean, they're in, in the best market position. The Switch is on course to become in the um, most successful console of all time, like most sold units. And they don't need to rush this. Uh, obviously, um, the remaining lineup of the Switch is pretty weak, but they can just like ride it out. It's fine. They still have like first party titles coming out. They still have plenty of third party titles coming out. There's not, there's not going to be another Zelda or so. That was like the last big bang, but they have enough stuff coming out to um, to at least fill the console with some more life. Um, and following up, like you said, following up a success that huge is really difficult. And Nintendo has never done just the same thing again since the Super Nintendo. But that was a very different thing. That was like the 80s and 90s. Uh, where the Super Nintendo was just like the Nintendo Entertainment System, but better. They've never done that. They always done some new weird thing. Uh, we already know, or like reports have suggested, that this is gonna be the same principles as Switch, a hybrid console that you can play at home or on the go. But yeah, will you be able to sell that very well, at least to the public consumer? How do you even call this? Uh, I think. You can fall into a lot of traps really easily with with, with making this console. Um, do you think they call it the Steam Two, or do you think they Switch they two. do a brand new a Switch Two? Sorry, I think they call it something. I like the idea of going old new. school and calling it the Super Switch, which I've heard uh, before. The Super Switch that would be fun. That would be fun. I don't know. I hope they don't call it something else. I think you do need to take the Switch name with you, but make sure, like Wii to Wii U was just a catastrophic decision. Like. No one understood what this thing even was, uh, the Wii U. Um, but because it was so different, um, making essentially the same thing again, but better, and taking that over will have to be the game plan. And yeah, they will they will make sure they get this right. So it makes sense that they're taking time and they have the opportunity to do this. So I'm personally disappointed because I was, I was looking forward to it, but I will play. I will probably be, still be playing Elden Ring by the time, so it's fine. <laughs> but we'll get yeah, to that later. You'll be, yeah, you'll be preoccupied. <clears throat> um, yeah, we mentioned Nintendo. We'll, we'll continue with Nintendo a little bit because there was a Nintendo Direct. Um, it was a focused on... It was a so-called partner Direct. It was focused on third-party titles coming to the Switch um, this year. And I think some... I don't remember if there was stuff announced for next year. It was mostly this year. And there was fr- it was frankly not very exciting. There was a lot of fine things, uh, uh, some nice stuff, uh, some smaller games I'm personally really excited for. There's one called Unicorn Overlord, which looks fantastic. Um, there's one called Pepper Grinder, which I also played during Steam Next Fest. And it was, it was the type of game that I, I deleted the demo after 10 minutes because I thought it was so fantastic. I was immediately like, I'm gonna play the full game. Like, I don't need to play a second of this demo. I'm convinced this is incredible. It's like this uh, 2D platformer where you control a person with a drill and you're basically like drilling through like sand dunes and water and rocks and stuff in like a, it's kind of like you're surfing through it and it feels so fluid and and, and, and fast and cool. Um, that got a release date. I think it's kind of the same day as Dragon's Dogma 2, March 22nd, if I remember correctly. 
So it's smaller stuff like this. Uh, the thing people were really excited for, which was kind of buried in the show, is that certain Xbox games are coming to Switch. Um, two, uh, two first-party Xbox titles are coming to Switch. The first that was shown is Grounded, which is Obsidian's four-player co-op game that is kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You play as like a bunch of uh, young adults who have been shrunk and are in like their family's back garden, and it's like this survival game uh, that, that is uh, very, very creative, very fun with, with its scenario, with its systems. And that's coming to Switch on um, April 16. Another Obsidian game, Pentiment, is already out for Switch. Um, which is like this really cool 2D uh, adventure game that is set in like 14th century Bavaria or something. And it's like, um, you play this guy who comes into a village to investigate a murder. And it's like this it has like this amazing art style. Yeah, really, really it looks amazing. like uh, a tapestry. It looks yeah. like a high medieval trap tapestry. Yeah. I still haven't played Pentiment, but I really, really, really want to. Um, and yeah, those are coming to the Switch. The both of these games are also coming to PlayStation uh, Four and Five. And Xbox is going more multi-platform as 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 we have. Um, as has been predicted before, with Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves coming also PlayStation 5 on March 19 and April 30, respectively. Um, I think it was two episodes ago, or also in the Q&A episode last week, where we talked about uh, these rumors that Xbox would go multi-platform with the games. And they announced this like podcast uh, state of... State of uh, um, now, what's it called? I think it was just called like a developer update or something. Developer and Direct? No, that's that's a different thing. Anyway, it was basically, it was an official Xbox podcast and Phil Spencer and some other people were there and they, they talked about their plans. And it was all way less exciting and interesting than people <laughs> expected it to be. They said, the show was like a few days before the Nintendo Direct and they said, yeah, we're going to bring four games and they didn't name them at the time. Be no, they games. just said two, two a big, two a live service or something, and two yeah. on or something. That was the the only giveaway. Yeah, and it, people immediately knew it was these four games that have now been confirmed. But uh, yeah, it was weird. And they said we're gonna. Um, they said a lot of. It was the kind of thing they said a lot, but didn't uh, say. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. They said almost nothing. It's not a corporate spiel. Lots of yeah. talking, but didn't actually say much. Yeah. Um. And what people were so up in arms about before was like the idea that like their big hitters could also come to like PlayStation, like uh, Starfield and Indiana Jones were like the name uh, main ones that were discussed. And here, um, Phil and Co said like, yeah, we're gonna try these four games, and we're gonna see how that works out, and then continue based on our learnings here uh, going to the future. And he talked all of the stuff about how, yeah. The future is going to be more and more multi-platform, yes. less uh, yeah. platform exclusive games. Which he said is, that was the future, exactly. Yeah. Which is very easy to say when you don't have any good exclusive games. Uh, or not any good. Uh, these four games are just not all excellent, but they're not like... Like, Sony is so much stronger in offering... A they're not They're not God of War consumer. or The Last of Us or Snake. They're, they're, they're solid, but it's... Yeah, you could... You, I don't think these would sell consoles. I don't think you're gonna be like, I have to play Hi-Fi Rush. I'm buying an Xbox. Yeah, their whole their whole thing that he kept leaning on it, it doesn't work on anymore. Their thing of um, uh, putting the gamer first, and we care about the grassroots and the community. And hey, I'm just a gamer like you guys. That the Uncle Phil thing. After he gutted Activision and sacked loads of great people just so he could put them back on contract work. It's, I just can't buy this whole, yeah, you can add me, you can see me live. I'm, I've got a game attack just like you guys. I'm just playing Halo at night, taking home millions after behavior like that. I mean, you know, they've got to put on a certain uh, friendly face on corporatism, but I, it doesn't work on me as well as it did. And I will shamelessly admit it did work. I thought he was a good spokesman. Um, to kind of sell you that idea of Xbox is that, look, you know, we've already lost to Sony, the big guy. We're not a threat. We're just here for the gamer. We're going to focus on making great games and putting them in the hands of gamers. The amount they mentioned uh, gamers, uh, yeah, is infuriating in itself. But it doesn't work on me at all when I hear it from Xbox now. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, it was a pretty disappointing podcast. I remember 
as you say, it was like live, loads of people tuning in, loads of people live streaming, live reaction, like waiting two hours away kind of thing. So, you know, it's easy to buy into the hype of these things, but it was, uh, I think it'll be just, I don't even think they'll ever bring us the really big S tier, A tier games from their flock. I don't think they'll ever give us the sacred cows. They'll just give us the, the you know, the B tier games that they've had for a year that launched on Game Pass that did okay and that they think they can get, you know, you know, a few more uh, hundred thousand sales say out of if they just open them up to PC and, uh, or not PC, uh, PlayStation and Switch as was the case here. Yeah, I don't have any recommendations. There's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coming out at the end of the week, but I'm not into Final Fantasy VII. But I know I know that people will be. So, like, I know people are going to love that. Um, I will say, like, I think they've done a good job of uh, finding a new way to remake these rather than just strictly remaster. But, hey, completely from a third-person observer's perspective, I have zero interest, uh, personally. Uh, yeah, there you go. No, no, no specific recommendations from me. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, well, what I recommend people to do is that uh, give this podcast five stars um, on on the platform they uh, listen to it on and share this episode, share the podcast in general, give us a like. Give, and just if you have anything you can do what, to help us. <laughs> a recommendation or more request. If you have a PS5 and use a PS5 controller, please mute, if you're not using it, the inbuilt <laughs> microphone. <laughs> which is one of the worst things to ever happen to online gaming. The amount I hear that tinny fucking shit and you hear this so fucking close to the mic all the time. Uh, please, please mute your in-controller microphone if you're on PS5. PSA. PSA, yeah. Please mute, mute your fucking controller. Yeah, it's the worst quality <laughs> mic. It's such an awful idea because it doesn't pick up sound. Right? No, but it's right next to all the buttons. Even if someone's trying to actively use it, unless they bring it to their mouth, which no one does because you're like a fucking moron. You just, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like that they're having more features in controllers and offering you a little bit more than the generation before, but no, the the, the in-controller mic does not work on me. But yeah. Fair enough. There uh, we go. And with those wise words, we end this uh, episode. Thank you so much, John. Thank you all out there for listening. And until next week, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>